Blake. We're here. There's a Stanley Cup awarded, and we haven't had a trade. Not one. Not one trade. Not no, one that's not true. That's not true. Who? Brandon Peary got traded for a guy uh, who's, I don't remember his first name, but his last name's Sakura. Yeah, I, yeah, that's true. Vegas, Chicago. Tom, I think it's Tom Secure. Is it? Is it Tom? I don't know. I think you're thinking of the comedian Tom Segura. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> well, I, what I do know is that I read a lot of Blackhawks stuff on that because I thought it would be the start of the avalanche of trades. And uh, from what I understand, Jeremy Colton didn't really like him. And he wasn't going to play him anyway. Uh, and a, a lot of Blackhawks fans are pretty upset, actually, at Stan Bowman for bringing back Brand- Brandon Peary. And I, I, like, I don't hate it for them. It's not like they gave up Panarin for him, but it's sort of like, you know, they didn't give up much to get him, but people were like, just stop trying to get the band back together and do something else, I think, is what's going on in Chicago. There's fatigue with a two-time or three-time Stanley Cup general manager, which is crazy. you imagine I- having the bar set that high? Oh, I found the tweet. Okay, so this is from Mark Lazarus. Right. Former Blackhawks reacquired by Stan Bowman. Oh, God. <laughs> Brian Campbell, Daniel Carcillo, Adam Clendenning, Marcus Kruger, Andrew Ladd, Jeremy Morin, Leaf legend. Uh, Johnny Oduya, Brandon Peary, Brandon Saad. He even reacquired two different Brandons. Patrick Sharp, Andrew Shaw, Christopher Stieg, twice. The Wendell Clark special. He loves getting the band back together. He, he just absolutely loves it. But my first instinct when I saw the deal was, oh, Brandon Peary, he's a pretty underrated guy. He should be in the NHL. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. the fact that they had to do it again, they had to do it again. Yeah. Oh, God bless Stan Bowman. He's uh, he's going to continue to be him. And it's funny because even when things go bad for the Hawks, they end up pretty good. They still ended up in the playoffs this year somehow after finishing 23rd <laughs> or 24th. Even better, Adam. He's going to continue to be him from 2010. Yes. Yes, he is. And you know what? It worked for him for a while, so I can't hate too much. Um, what they say about I, life, I, never evolve. I, <laughs> never change, never do anything differently ever. Stop it. That's right. Let's go back to the good old days when things were good for me and nobody else. What um, worked a decade ago that will continue to work forever. Definitely. That's right. There's, well, there's a lot of that going on in the NHL, and there has been for a while, and it's why you get a lot of the same coaches recycled and a lot of the same GMs recycled and a lot of the same scouts recycled. Now, um, obviously, we had a Stanley Cup. It was amazing to see Steven Stamkos raise that Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, you know, the two and a half minutes that he played the entire series still gets a goal in the Stanley Cup Finals in Game Three, which is incredible. What yeah, an emotional, right. amazing so moment! Stamkos now has a Stanley Cup and a gold medal without playing in the clinching games. He didn't yeah. play in the gold medal clinching game for Canada. I don't think he no, he was injured. Remember, he was on the taxi squad. He's he had a nightmare, nightmare of a career. Night, nightmare of a career. I don't he, know if it's that much of a nightmare. <laughs> he's still no, done pretty well. No, but like just the things he's missed out on, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, playing in those those two clinching games, he'll probably never play for Canada at the Olympics. It's all but guaranteed. Um, and he should have made the 2010 team, was snubbed, was a lock to make the 2014 team, broke his leg. Broke his 2018, he was going to make the team. They didn't even go. He's had a blood clot, the, the broken leg, as I've mentioned. It's, it just seems like there's always something with this guy. He's still a winner, though. Yep. Yeah. Still and, a, and an above a point a game player, which is unbelievable considering. 
Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, and, and, you know, guy that scored 50 goals and won the Rocket Richard and done all 60. the things that 60 goals. Well, there you go, right? <laughs> um, uh, you know what? And I have to do a little ode to the Dallas Stars here because I think, um, you know, Steve, you were the guy that, that called it early in the season. Just, you know, watch out for the Stars. They're a lot better than, than people think they are. Turned out they were pretty good. What would you say about the Dallas Stars season and about their performance in the Stanley Cup? Well, you know, if it's a copycat league, what's the thing you copy from the Dallas Stars? You're going to have a lot of galaxy brain GMs going out there trying to find playoff specialists. Because if I have this correct, the difference between Joe Pavelski and Corey Perry's combined regular season goal total and their playoff goal total is one. Pavelski had 14 in the regular season, 13 in the playoffs. Perry had five in the regular season, five in the playoffs. Wow. So it, they were in a similar position to – people are going to hate this comparison, but I don't care uh, – to the Canucks, where I looked at the Perry signing and I said, that's not very good. And I looked at the Pavelski signing and I said, that's not very good. And I'm sorry, he scored at less than a 20-goal pace during the regular season as a $7 million player, Joe Pavelski did. That's not a good signing but his playoff performance was incredible just because the contract is not great. Doesn't mean they don't have this wagon of a team. Now I didn't know the Dallas stars were this good. I didn't. And I didn't know the Vancouver Canucks were going to be as good as they were, but they're both teams that went out in free agency spent probably too much. Um, and people criticize them and Oh my God, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? Well, in the meantime, they, GMs, I think, think one season at a time. And the Dallas Stars built a very good team for the season. And then we were introduced to this cast of characters we had never even heard of. Joel Hanley scoring his first goal as a 29-year-old. Um, uh, uh, Dowling scoring his first goal as a 29-year-old. That was against the Leafs to ruin a shutout. Fun! Joel Kiviranta, who none of you outside of Finland had ever heard of, all of a sudden turning into this monster. Uh, and I don't think you saw Corey Perry playing the best hockey of the last half decade coming. I don't think you saw Anton Hudobin being, you know, in the Con Smythe conversation. I don't know if you necessarily saw the emergence of Miro Haskinen. They're, they're a great team. So people might try to galaxy brain the playoff specialist thing from the Dallas Stars. What is the thing you copy from the Tampa Bay Lightning? This is part of the reason I'm glad they won. What do you copy be perfect at everything. Do yeah, everything perfectly. Is that yeah. is that what you copy? Have incredible talent and talent that was willing to stay for less money as well. Have you great know, like, pro scouting and amateur scouting and draft well and have lots of picks and get everyone to sign for less uh -huh. and <laughs> have no state tax and et cetera, et cetera. Like what's to copy there other than they did everything beautifully? They did. They Almost did a perfect... Right? Like, are they the most perfect cap team we've ever seen? Top to bottom? They're up there. I mean, they just won a cup with two minutes and 47 seconds of service from Steven Samkos. Yeah. All Stupid. Right. One, one yeah. lesson. It, it never really looked in doubt. Yeah. No. They were the best team throughout the playoffs, easily. One lesson I think you can take away from the Lightning and like the last handful of previous Stanley Cup champions is that it's important to keep the core together. I was thinking about it in terms of like the Leafs. If you look at the Lightning, the Blues, the Capitals, mm -hmm. the Penguins, those are the last four Stanley Cup champions. The thing they all have in common is their top players have been there for a while. 
Like, and it yeah. took them that time to win. You think of Ovechkin, you think of Crosby, you think of Kuznetsov, you think of um, all the top guys in the Blues, all these top guys on the Lightning. They've been there for like half a decade. So I took that and I thought about the Leafs and I was like, okay, it, maybe don't break up the band. Maybe give Tavares and Matthews and Marner and Riley five years. Like, let's, let's calm yeah. down. These things take a while. It takes maybe winning the President's Trophy and setting the record for most wins in a regular season and then losing in the first round to then win the Cup next year. Sometimes... Well, and what's the, what's the worst that could possibly happen with having those five together for five years? Or those four together for five years? Like, I, like the thing is, is that, like, what's the alternative? And I know we've talked about on this show, like, what it would take to bring in Petrangelo. Does that mean you move out of Marner? Does that mean you move out of Nylander or whatever? And... Uh, I think you're right, Jesse, in the fact that, like, these guys, especially, you know, like, you look at Crosby and the way he was criticized before he won a Stanley Cup, even when he lost the, the finals against Detroit. Uh, I think it was 2008. Um, you look at yeah. the way the Chicago Blackhawks had to build theirs, and it took six or seven years. Um, you know, there's a and patience factor to the that Toronto – yeah, and the patience factor that obviously Toronto doesn't have, which rightfully so, Toronto fans shouldn't be patient anymore. Um, but – at the same time, rationally speaking, and I hope that the, the general managing staff is rational, uh, I would think that they are, um, you know, the right thing to do is to keep the band together and hope that you can, can build around the corners. And I think that's exactly what the plan has been. However, with this Petrangelo stuff, I don't know, like it seems like there might be, they're going to inquire. Right. So I'm and I'm a little concerned about that. But we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later because I've had more. There's been more takes that I've been able to absorb. And I, I, it's changed my opinion a little bit. And I'm curious to get what you guys think. But let's stay with Dallas and Tampa. I think if there's one thing I would say about Dallas, it's it's, you know, that you got this is a team of of like there are stars there are three little major offensive stars there. It's Radulov, Ben and uh, Sagan. Right. Those are the three major stars. Yes, they got. Depth scoring from Kibiranta, Corey Perry, Joel Pavelski. Really great stuff. But at the end of the day, the Dallas Stars play a system that is hard to play against. They're a pain in the ass every night. They do grind you down. And the one thing, if you compare and contrast with the Leafs, is that you know when you're coming into Toronto, you're going to have a high-flying kind of fun game. But you don't feel like it. Like when you go to Dallas, it's sort of like, this is going to suck. You know what I mean? And over a seven-game series, I think that kind of makes a difference. And if you're a team that's lacking talent in certain areas, I would look at the Dallas Stars and say, how do we get our team to commit to a system like Dallas's team does? You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm talking all the way through the lineup. Dallas, the Islanders. Columbus. Yeah, the Islanders. Great idea. And they're, just, and they're just not fun to play against. And I was sort of thinking about that. You know, you were, you were talking about what lessons can the Leafs take from that. I was like, okay, Riley's a Gronk. You need to get him someone yeah. to play with. Doesn't need yes. to be Alex Petrangelo. You just need to get him someone to play with. Jake Muzzin's awful to play against. What? That's not fun. Yeah, it's not sucks, fun at all. Sucks to play against. Ah, you add one more problem to the back end. Dermot's annoying. He's not a problem. You add one more problem to that back end. I, I would take Radko Gudis, even, even if like it was a, a possession hit. Just because you need to be unpleasant to play against in the Leaf zone. Like, I think people talk about, like, toughness and banging and crashing in the offensive zone. The Leafs, for the most part, there were some games where they took the night off. But for the most part, they don't look fun to play against offensively. They have the puck no. all the time. And Zach Hyman will grind you down. They have a few guys that will grind you down, but they just have the puck the whole time. 
and they have these lethal releases. It's in their own end. And I keep going back to this piece Andrew Berkshire wrote about Cody Cece, and it was basically how bad was he really? And he pulled up all these numbers I hadn't considered that actually showed he was not totally bad in a lot of different departments, but the uh, my eyes matched up with the numbers perfectly in that once the puck was in the leave zone, it was there to stay. Yeah. It was there to stay. Uh, and he was not, well, what's that term that we love to use? Big for nothing? Cody sees he's a big body, big for nothing. He's, he's not a problem to play against. Right. If you're going to be big, you better be big for a reason. Right. I don't care if you're big, if you're not going to use it. I think of Frederick Gauthier in the same way. Goat's like what? Big six, for nothing. Six, three. Like we're almost five. the same size. Six. Is he six, five? He's huge. Yeah, and he's huge. you wow. never, you never feel that when he's out there with the fourth line. It's, it's like you never notice that he's this. It's he's because he than, spends half the game at four eight on his knees. Yeah, <laughs> right. it's, it's and he's like he's trying to play a finesse game where mm-hmm. you know he just doesn't have the skill level to do it. So uh, you know, I know he's worked on the skating and stuff, but that doesn't mean skating for Freddie Goche is it, the skating is to, to get your body there faster. Right. And you six, have five to body, you have to use bigger, six, five is bigger than what? 90%, 95% of the NHL. He's probably, probably the top yeah, 10 so. tallest guys in the league. He's got to be able mm, to use that body. Top 25 for sure. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Now how many huge guys do the Dallas stars have now? I'm trying to think about it. Uh, Jamie Alexiak and I don't know. It's just, the Dallas Stars were pricks to play against. They play big. I play it, was, big. it was so funny. Um, Corey Perry doesn't have a lot of big moments to his resume, like in terms of being a piece of shit. Like I'm talking, I'm talking big moments. Like Tom Wilson, that guy's leading Sports Center or whatever. You know how, how many nights of the year because <laughs> they're trying to suspend the guy. Corey Perry, it's just kind of. This guy fucking, this guy stinks. And I saw a lot of people, particularly younger people, and yes, I'm going to pull that card, going, why do people, gosh, why do people hate Corey Perry so much? Because he's been around for a decade and a half being an asshole. Well, point to one thing. He, uh, uh, Hey, it wasn't anything off the ice. I don't know anything about Corey Perry off the ice. I really don't. It's on the ice. He is awful, awful to play against. And does your team have enough guys like that is basically what I'm trying to get across to the Leafs and so many other teams around the league. Now, Tampa, what's the emphasis? Hedman, Point, uh, you know, Kucherov. Yanni Gord's a feisty player. I, I wouldn't put him in the category of Corey Perry. But they got some guys who will thump you. They got some guys yeah. who will absolutely take your head off and – they usually don't end up having to do it because you're too exhausted from chasing them around all game. Yeah. They, yeah. they really are. It's the Blake it's, Coleman it, led the uh, NHL in hits during the playoffs and usually is up there in the regular season. Like it's a, this is, this is why hits are so misleading. It's a funny how many stat, of you re- but how many of you right now just went really get, get, Do you remember a Blake Coleman hit? No, but I, I, I like I, I can remember how he plays, right? He yeah. does kind of bang and yeah. crash and do all the things, yeah. right? That I mean, he's a he's like like you said it like Chris Kreider two years ago would have been a perfect Leaf, 
Blake oh. Holman would be a perfect mm-hmm. But oh. having, having the league leader in hits on a Stanley Cup winning team, I don't feel is insignificant, you know? It's, it's like when the plus minus is all the way, you're like plus 80 or minus 1,000. You're like, okay, yeah. maybe. Something to be gleaned from that. Yeah, it's, it's, still not, it's still not a stat you're going to look at. But maybe the league leader were like, okay, it means a little something that these guys were able to play a little tougher. You know, at the bottom of their right. lineup, they have these, the top skill guys at the top, but maybe they're, the bottom guys are pushing a couple people around. Does, yep. does, having a, does having a parking ticket make you a bad person? No. no. Does having 250 parking tickets <laughs> right. make you raise your eyebrow a little bit? Right. <laughs> Maybe an irresponsible person. Jack Johnson, can someone show this guy where to park? If it was one or two, I wouldn't <laughs> care. <laughs> Sorry, I just I keep bringing him up. Yeah, this guy's <laughs> Adam Adam used the word. He might be a bit irresponsible. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good word. Yeah. 250 yeah. parking tickets. <laughs> That's if it was two or three, I wouldn't tickets. really care. Yeah. No. I mean, it's Toronto. Even, You're going to get it. I'd be like, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 250. Yeah. Shit. What's wrong that's, with you, dude? That's your, that's your thing, is it? It's, that's your thing? That's going to be you your thing. You take the bus. Okay. What do you yeah. <laughs> Uber. Uber would be cheaper. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. Then 250 um, parking tickets. <laughs> So, yeah, no, I like, I think, I think there's a, I mean, there's lots for any team to be learned from this. But the other thing is, I think you got to be very careful about overcommitting to learning from teams that have won. Because what ends up happening is you end up living three or four years in the past, like the yeah. Canucks did when they played the 2011 Bruins and then tried to become them. And, you know, the reality is the Canucks were game away. It could have gone either way. And everybody would have been copying the Canucks afterwards and it would have gone finesse only. Like, they would have been importing twins out of Sweden like crazy. Uh, there's, I don't even care if you play hockey. Are you a twin? Great. But we're putting you on the team. We're going one, one, two overall in every draft. Every draft. Just <laughs> twins. Swedish twins. Only Swedish twins. And that's the thing. Like, it's, it's um, I hope that, you know, lower skilled teams, and I don't, I don't want to say like lower skilled teams like this, but, you know, guys like the Islanders, guys like the Dallas Stars, they, they, they are high skilled teams, but they are, let's be honest, they sort of manage their weaknesses to make up for lack of maybe super, super, superstar. You know, you've got a they're not, couple. They're not skill reliant. Skill, re- there you go. Skill is such a funny word too, because we're not saying they're not skilled. It's no, just, they're all skilled. They don't, yeah, they're all skilled. They're NHL players. It's just they don't It's play just not their identity. Goal scoring and finesse. Yes. Yeah, 100%. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how teams kind of react to that this offseason, although who the hell knows? I mean, it's, it's going to get, they say it's going to get crazy. They've said that before. Uh, I wonder if, if the hype is, uh, is going to be huge this offseason and there's not going to be very much to feed on, but we'll, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. First, speaking of feeding on, how about a gigantic bowl of Frosted Flakes? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Because it is time for Frosted Flakes. And you know what? Normally, we wouldn't do a Selly of the Week here, but I think we maybe should because it is finally the last Selly, right? Celebrate with Frosted Flakes. Do you want to go history on this one, Steve, or do you want to go Selly of the Week right now because we've played our last game? What a great Selly. Thanks, Tony. (laughs) Well, I haven't gotten to it yet, but it will be great. Um, So I did have one prepared, um, but why not? You know what? Let's do both. I can do both because they both involve Tampa Bay winning the Stanley Cup. Steve's Uh, great 
I know. Because they both involved, both, um, both times Tampa has raised the Stanley Cup, because they are now up to two. Um, both times they have done it, it involved the first player hoisting the Stanley Cup being someone where you were like, ugh, oh, isn't that great? Someone who it was impossible to uh, lament at all. I was cheering hard for the Calgary Flames to win the 2004 Stanley Cup. I wanted to see Jerome again hoist that thing. It wasn't meant to be. But I did get to see Dave Anderchuk, you know, a guy who had been around for an eternity without getting to hoist the Stanley Cup. I think, I want to say he held the record for most NHL games played without winning the Stanley Cup. And then he won it. This year, it's Steven Stamkos getting the thing. We all know the story. We all know the bunch of stories because we've been over it a bunch of times. He missed this. He missed that. He missed that. I think the one that probably stung him the most was being two wins away from the Stanley Cup in 2015. And so much of the Tampa Bay Lightning, to Jesse's point, were on that team. And they understand the sting of getting so close and losing. So to see Steven Stamkos and the rest of the Tampa Bay Lightning get that moment as this as this Goliath team that really didn't feel like it when you looked deep into the stories, it was good to see them win the Stanley Cup. So that that to me was my celly of the week. Love it. And so you combine them. So that's Anderson yeah. and Stamkos. That's there fine. You go. Yes. I like, I like it. I Alexi like Brand. Anders Steve's great. Stamnerchuk. <laughs> so you might have noticed that Jesse and I have gotten bigger on your screens, and that's because <laughs> Adam had to leave. Um, but uh, that's okay. We're just going to do the show. Yeah. Me and Jesse, and you said something about the taxi squad? Yeah, so off the top of the show, I was mentioning how uh, Stamkos, he's missed out on so many good moments because in 2014, he breaks his leg for the Olympic moment. And then yeah. now yesterday, he, he's not playing when his team clinches the Stanley Cup winning uh, game. And then I mentioned also that um, he was on the taxi, taxi squad for the 2010 Olympics, which he missed out. And I don't know what the rules are under the double uh, IHF rules if he gets an actual gold medal. But I had the taxi squad up here. It was Bo Meester, Roby Da, Jeff Carter, Stamkos, and St. Louis. And then uh, as their goalie was Chris Mainson. So you said, you, you, for anybody who's listening, Steve's holding up the picture of Team Canada 2010 Olympics right now. And he's not in the team photo, you said? The, no, the only player... I don't know if you can hear me properly. The only player I can see in plain clothes is where is he? Here he is. It's Marc Andre Fleury, who's the uh, third and he was, goalie. He was the team's third goalie. I don't see, I don't see anybody else. I seem to remember. Maybe it was 2014. I thought someone had to come off the taxi squad and actually play games, but like, mm. I don't see Jeff Carter here. You said no, I don't see Bomi, sir. I don't see Stefan Robida. <laughs> Which is crazy. He you was know, once one of the top 10 defensemen in Canada. Born in this country. <laughs> right. Born Canadians. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. That's, that is wild. Yeah. That is wild. Anyways, um, I just no. think it's, it's fascinating the bad luck that he's had. But, is the team, but the teams he's on keep winning, you know? So. Well, I mean, he's obviously you know, a good leader, an amazing teammate. Mm -hmm. um, like I was saying, like, man, imagine, imagine if 
something would not allow you. Ima- imagine the Virgin Radio Morning Show <laughs> with Adam Wilde, TJ, and Jax, five yes. thirty to nine, Monday to Friday on ninety-nine nine Virgin Radio. Imagine that show <laughs> had to be performed in a bubble for two and a half months. Whew. But there was something preventing you from doing your job. Right. Would you stay in the bubble for two and a half months just to be a really good coworker? Or would prob- you bounce? I would probably just chill at home, you know, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm sure Stamkos could have done that. It's tough, though, man. You're the captain. Mm-hmm. You're the captain. I, I, I don't – I feel like it's, it was talked about a lot on the broadcast, but the mental toll on him – he practiced all the time, but it's not the same as playing the games. And just like being there, just watching all the time, every day for two and a half months and not playing. Like that must have been really tough. As tough as the guys who had to play. And as a pro athlete, he's already got that competitive thing. But he's also Gary Roberts' protege, which what does that do to your head and the way you're wired? And this guy, and it's not even... No workout with Gary Roberts is going to make his shin bone stronger. (laughs) You know what I mean? The guy crashed into the post and then tried to stand on it. And what are you going to do? It's just bad luck, man. It's bad luck. And and it must have been – it's wild to me that athletically he was able to do what he did in the two minutes and 47 seconds he played. And he was so fragile that that was it. Mm Mm-hmm. He was done. Like, you, you hear the ridiculous things that players play through all the time. And you know he's not coming out of the lineup for just a little owie. He was coming out of the lineup because he's like, I'm useless right now. I know I can't help the team. He literally just scored one of the nicest goals of the playoffs, played like two more shifts, and decided I can't help the team anymore. That's how right. fragile he was. And I that's how hard he went, you know, on his injured leg. It's crazy. Uh, see, I, I don't know. I've, did you read that it was his leg? Because I've heard two different things and neither were the leg. What, what things have you heard? I've heard the abdominals and oh, okay. I've, heard, uh, I've heard groin. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a body part. We have it narrowed down to it as something on Steven Stamkos' body. All right. We're, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, it's probably going to get released during the show. I know that much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, along with the long list of everything all of the guys have been playing with, you know, we're going to hear, oh, Sagan had 10 broken bones in his, in his back, you know? Like, that list always comes at the end of the season. Well, yeah, did you see – wait, did you say Stamkos or Sagan? Sagan. I just threw a name out there. Did the list already come out of the guys' injuries at the end of the season? No. No, but it was funny that you said Tyler Sagan, so let me just try to look this up. Uh, Oh, from Darren Dreger. As the Lightning enjoyed a much-deserved Stanley Cup victory, we will soon learn of the myriad of injuries players from both teams played with. Sounds like Tyler Sagan played through knee, hip, and groin injuries. There you go. (laughs) And and that's – that's – it's so – so, obviously, uh, I always tell people the way you learn about cars is get a crappy one which is why I know so much about the back. So uh, I've, I've done a lot of learning about how everything is connected down in the back and the hips and everything. And I wrote a feature with Andrew Hammond years ago, the Hamburglar, 
Um, and part of the reason that he fell off the face of the earth wasn't just that, you know, he was the Cinderella story and fell off. It was that he was dealing with this. I don't, I don't, it was so complicated. I don't remember what the initial injury was. I think it might've been something in his back that went down to his knee, or it might've been something in his knee that went up to his back and also screwed up his hip. And if you're a goalie and you don't have hips, you're toast. Right. Right. So Sagan's whole chain from his back down to his knee, like what, what are you supposed to do? You only got two legs. Yeah. What are you, what are you supposed to do, man? And, and we're criticizing the guy, ah, his lack of finishing ability. It's always the same with this guy. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he's playing with half a lower body by the sounds of it. Yeah. It seems, it seems like every guy by the end of every playoffs is injured. There's some little tweak. These guys, they're professional athletes and they're, they're too big and too skilled to not get injured. You know, they're playing at such a high level. It's, it's the highest level you can get and they're going for two months straight. So the injuries are understandable. Yeah. Well, and I think that might be part of the reason why GMs and coaches sort of lean towards let's be the bigger, meaner team. Yeah. Because over the course of a regular season, yeah, it's 82 games. Stuff's going to happen. But when you get into this, this playoff scenario, it's this war. Like, you don't even need to be the better team. You just need to be close enough in skill and wear them down. Sometimes and, you know, you we talk survive. Yeah, we, we talk about, we talk about um, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning were clearly the best team. Uh, even without Stamkos, it's so amazing. You add a healthy Ben Bishop and Radic Faxa, and then you take away the injuries that Tyler Sagan was playing through. Do the Dallas Stars win the Stanley Cup? They probably get closer to it. But whose problem is that? <laughs> Dallas Stars. It's not Tampa's problem. Right. It just is. It is what it is, man. It's it is. It is what it is. So, do you want to put a nice bow on the 2020 bubble hockey season? It's it's a miracle. I don't think we spent enough time on this. It's, it's a miracle that they played hockey, that they were able to do this whole thing with zero positive tests, that they awarded a Stanley Cup, that it felt like like there. I know there was a tweet that tried to denigrate the Stanley Cup being handed Oh, let's talk year. about that. No, 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 no. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about Damian Cox saying that this Stanley Cup wasn't as hard fought as other ones because there was no travel. And we're going to move on from that. But Guys, it's a, if you – here, one <laughs> sentence, Jesse. You get, one you sentence. Get, I'm going to start a timer, okay? okay. I'm going to give you some time here. You get 30 seconds. Let me, uh, let me just go to stopwatch on Google. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit reset. I'm going to hit start in three, 30 seconds on Damian Cox being an asshole. Three, two, one, go. If you stop retweeting Damian Cox, he goes away. He's, he's not like all these other personalities where he's on a billion different platforms. I'm not sure how you escape Skip Bayless. It's easy to escape Damian Cox these days. You don't have to retweet him. You don't. Can you believe that he said this? Yes. So stop. That's it. Oh. You 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 get those five seconds. You had five seconds to spare and you didn't use them. 
Keep them. I don't need them. <laughs> Keep them. Right. You know, if you stop retweeting them, it goes away forever. The NHL uh, sent out a series series of tweets in their official Twitter account at the end of the uh, at the end of the game afterward, just thanking everybody who made this possible. So, like, I just want to also send my thanks to so, like all the doctors and nurses who are doing the tests in the bubble, just all the cleaning staff there. Like, I don't I don't know what was involved in getting Toronto and Edmonton ready and then uh, completed. You know, there must have been so much work behind the scenes that we didn't see. So congrats to all those people for getting it done. It's incredible that we actually got a Stanley Cup champion in the middle of a pandemic. It was really cool. Yeah. And it's a shame. I I don't know if they're getting enough credit um, because I think as a society, I think we're all just worn out. And I don't think it has anything to do with the hockey. I bet the hockey and Dallas Stars fans are going to get mad at me. Oh, now you realize. But I think the hockey was probably better than we even gave it credit. And it's yeah. just we're all exhausted. We're all mentally exhausted. Um, you know, we're, we're not giving enough credit to how incredible this all was. The fact that the NBA is still ongoing and they've pulled it off, you know, smoothly. Mm-hmm. And the NHL actually crossed – the playing finish line. All they got to do is get a, get to free agency. The, I have, I have a, there are so many things that could go wrong logistically with the draft. Can you imagine like some team misses out on something because dude, the Leafs missed out on a trade once because the fax machine did not work. Right. Imagine what, is it going to be 31 or 32 gentlemen? I don't, <laughs> oh my god you got Imagine Lou Morello there yeah to be like oh, how do I work this zoom <laughs> yeah trap someone and with the seventh overall pick the New Jersey Devils select Baba Booey Baba Booey Baba Booey the freaking thing gets hacked and then what do you do right and then all of a sudden the next day of the draft there's but they got across the playing mm-hmm. uh, finish line that was the hardest part I, I got to you know, <laughs> this is a ridiculous way to feel, but the Tampa Bay Lightning showed a video of them landing on the tarmac and all the players getting to finally see their family. And there's this picture of Victor Hedman embracing a, a, his wife or fiance, I'm not sure. And like just genuine, genuine raw emotions. Um, and it almost made me feel bad for watching. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just what what the players had to go through. And I think there's a good reason we haven't seen the Dallas Stars one. Because has is is there a worse possible year to lose in the Stanley Cup final? Yeah. You've you've been away from your family for sixty-five days. At least Tampa got to go on a fun little plane ride. <laughs> yeah, at least you win. Dallas- And they won. Dallas was stuck in the same bubble the whole time. The exact same one. Tampa didn't even get the change. Or sorry, Dallas didn't even get the change of scenery for your brain to adjust to. They were stuck in the same bubble for 65 days and have a Western Conference championship to show for it. What's the name of the Western Conference championship trophy? Uh, The Larry Bishop trophy. That's a made-up human being. (laughs) I but threw that's a two old guy names together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud I, of myself. <laughs> I think there's the Prince of Wales trophy and the 
is it the Clarence Campbell trophy? And I don't that know. Sounds which is right. Yeah, I don't know which. Like Clarence Campbell <laughs> is definitely best friends with Larry Bishop. Oh yeah, they they were buds back in the. They went to high tea together. They went to high tea together, and then later in the afternoon, laid down some brick, and at night, they played for the Montreal Maroons. <laughs> right. Like, Larry Bishop and Clarence Campbell. Yeah, like, you don't, you don't uh, play no. to win silver in the Olympics, and you don't play to... Yeah, what's the old win, phrase? Win the you, Western, uh, or... You don't win silver, you lose gold. Uh, yeah, you win bronze, you lose silver, or something right. like that. It's, something yours like that. is better. Yours is better. <laughs> yeah, same but, difference. Uh, yeah, it's. I feel. I feel really bad for the Dallas Stars. It's always heartbreaking when you see the guys. You know, I, I still remember Ryan Kessler on the ice, like just in tears, and Brad Marchand last year. And naturally, we were all really nice to them and didn't make fun of them for for that. Um, but like, this is the worst year to lose the Stanley Cup ever. Yeah, ever. There, uh, name a worse one. I don't think you can. That's why. Shame on anyone. Who tries, denigrate, who tries to denigrate this Stanley Cup. How dare you? Yeah. Speaking to no one in particular. How dare you? The, the <laughs> idea that road travel is, is what makes winning in hockey hard. Like, guys look forward to going to Vancouver on the road. Hey, we're going to go to Roxy. Like, I pre- you probably got friends there. Maybe you played there. You go see your old billet family or whatever. And mm-hmm. there's something to do. There's something to look forward to in each city on the road. You go to Florida. Oh, I'm going to go get a tan. Oh, it's a Florida road trip. That means I'm going to get like four days worth of tan. The California road trip. There's something to do everywhere. You go on little team field trips. What did these guys do? Right. I think you got to play Frisbee with a shirtless Rod Brindamore feeling uncomfortable as hell. And you got packed into a bus to go golfing once or twice, I think. And then Tampa had to leave a bubble with a pool to supposedly Edmonton didn't even have a pool. Yeah, the worst bubble, they called it. That ESPN article, if anybody out there, you haven't read it, there's Greg Wyshynski. And uh, did he do it with Emily Kaplan? I think he did, yes. Yeah, I think they combined on an article, and they had um, a bunch of anonymous quotes from, from hockey players and, G- and GMs inside of the bubble. And they really broke down what bubble life was, and it was so not as advertised. They were like, the, even like the golf trip you mentioned, they're like, one team went golfing once. So they're like, how do you expect us to organize a golf trip in between game four and five of the second round? You know, like in the ass. That that would because it was either everyone went or no one went. So they said one time Washington had like a day off in between the preliminary games to go, and that was the only team that went golfing. Like, which is and and then what happened? And then everyone's like, oh, Washington didn't even get shit about. And then all these leaks happen, and then they get shitted on. So. Yeah, the bubble life was not glamorous at all. It wasn't a resort like people are claiming. The food, the food was a big deal, deal too in the article. It was just the food was the same every day. Guys Didn't were they like, have to pay? Yeah, and guys, a lot of guys said they had to, you had to pay out of your pocket if you want to order like Uber Eats and stuff. And then other teams, oh my God, the article is so good. Other teams, their owners who would own, like say their owner owns um, Wendy's. So it's the owner, the owner of the whatever the florida panthers also owns wendy's this is all hypothetical so all the guys on the panthers would get hooked up with wendy's while in the bubble but all the other teams were like hey what the fuck we don't get wendy's 
You know, so they were like, they were looking to their own GMs and owners being like, hey, if, the, if Toronto has this, if they, Toronto gets freshy every day, why don't we get freshy? So there's these competing things too. And then they had the hotel food, which was just like steak and vegetables every day. And they're like, I can't eat steak and vegetables every day for two months. I like steak, but who do you think I am? You know, I'm not a team bear. nutritionist. <laughs> team nutritionist just having an absolute breakdown after oh. like a week. Anyways, so yeah, the Stanley Cup this year probably what. And you made the great point earlier too when you said that uh, we don't probably appreciate how good the hockey was. The lack of uh, travel probably made the hockey better. If you have guys I, who are just yeah. all, all they're doing is playing hockey, resting playing hockey, resting, their bodies were probably phenomenal for these two months because they're not getting on planes. They're not moving. They're not going out anywhere. They're just kind of resting and playing hockey. So yeah, your point about the hockey being good, it was probably the highest we'd ever seen it. It, Travel is brutal when you're injured or battling an injury. That was another thing Andrew Hammond talked about in the article that I mentioned because he was dealing with these injuries when he was riding a bus in the minors right? Um, I saw an interview recently of Todd Fedorik on Spit and Chicklets. There's, there's a legendary fight on YouTube where he chases down Derek Bugard asking for it, which why? Why? It's Derek Bugard. I don't care if you're a tough guy. Bugard throws three punches. The third one connects and literally shatters Fedorik's face. What's the next thing Fedorik's got to do? Get on a plane where he then looks like some monstrosity. He's got an elbow coming out of his cheek. The travel is, is awful, awful yeah. on these guys. So it's, it would be harder. It would be harder to win this Stanley Cup or easier if Tampa had to do no travel and Dallas was just – they arbitrarily threw them on a plane and made them travel between games for no <laughs> good reason. Fly around the country for no reason. But that didn't bloody happen. No. That didn't bloody happen. They, they all did the played, same thing. <laughs> they played under equal circumstances. The only competitive advantage one team might have had from the other is one got Wendy's. Supposedly, <laughs> right. according to what you're saying. Right. Does this push me over the 30 seconds? No. I, I feel like we talked about it a lot longer. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right. So the biggest hockey news probably outside of the Stanley Cup finals uh, that dropped today was uh, Henrik Lundqvist bought out by the New York Rangers. Steve, what do you think? What does this mean for the Rangers? Also, you sent a tweet that was very interesting about their uh, cap situation. Oh, the one that I uh, sent to the group chat. So mm-hmm. I think this was, I think it was from Cap Friendly, and I'm trying to bring it up right now, and this is how I stall for time, stall for time. <laughs> I sent a lot of tweets to you guys. Here it is. New York Rangers have now consumed 15.9% of their total available cap space for the 2020-2021 season as a result of player buyouts. 15.9%, by the way, is $12,994,444 for all intents and purposes. That is $13 million in dead cap, and it is broken down thusly. Kevin Shattenkirk just under 6.1 against the cap. Henrik Lundqvist, $5.5 million against the cap. Dan Girardi, just over $1.1 million against the cap. Ryan Spooner, $300,000 against the cap. 
it's negligible, but when the cap's not going up, it's pretty tough. And then, of course, there's Brad Richards, who was a compliance buyout, so he's zero dollars. Um, wow. Is That's, that ever awful? Yeah. Now. Go ahead. Well, so a lot of people were, because I said, well, the Rangers are getting ready to make some noise. And people were rightly like, what the hell are you talking about, Steve? They have $13 million dedicated to dead contracts. Well, I'm looking at their cap friendly and I'm looking at the way their team is built. They need maybe three more defensemen to add to the team. Well, they got to give Tony D'Angelo a um, contract extension. They got to give Georgiev a contract extension. You know, they have a few other RFAs, none that I think are going to get a really big payday. And they still have $23.1 million in cap space to deal with. D'Angelo and Georgiev are not going to take up $23 bucks. So I don't think you get rid of the Mark Stahl and Henrik Lundqvist deals uh, to get out of the rain. I, I don't think you do that just for something to do. I think the Rangers like any New York team should really are looking to go into free agency and make some noise. Are they going to get a guy like Petrangelo? No, I don't think so, but I could see them contending for a hall or even a Hoffman or they're, they're going to go out there and they're, they're going to make some noise. And not, not just that they have the first overall pick. Everyone's forgetting. They've drafted I, I really well that as well. Yeah, they, they've drafted really well recently. They have a lot of draft picks. They have Carolina's first – or yeah, they have Carolina's first-round pick, 22nd overall, that they need like a hole in the head. You lucked out and got the first overall pick. If I was the Rangers, I'd punt that thing out the door right away to get a guy who can play on my roster right now, and that will help me fill uh, one of the holes on D. The New York Rangers, we, we talked about this, man. I love what they're doing with their rebuild. And when you are a powerhouse like them financially, I don't think you intend on being bad for very long. They, they flexed their muscle with Artemi Panarin last year. That Jacob Truba contract is oh. terrible, by the way. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're not, they're, they're not going to be, oh, gosh, uh, with this whole financial situation. A lot of teams are. I don't think the Rangers are. It's it's weird to think about how much space they have considering you take away $13 million from it. Like how much more space would they have if they so didn't have these buyouts? Yeah. Because that's a, and that says about their team, they have so many entry level deals that are under a million dollars. And you know, they could still, I mean, Chris Kreider just got his ridiculous extension, but he's been rumored to be traded forever. Mm-hmm. So they could still trade him. They could still – people always forget that you are allowed to make trades. You are. They could still go out and trade Alexander Georgiev, even though they bought out Hendrik Lundqvist. <laughs> they could if they wanted to. They have so many options, these guys. Um, I wouldn't put anything past them. That You're getting too caught up in the $13 million in dead space, and you're not looking hard enough at – everything else they have uh, at the ready, including $23.1 million in cap space. Ridiculous. It's crazy. Um, A lot, man. So but I guess, I guess with regard to Lundquist, who yeah. we didn't really talk about, it's <laughs> such a shame. I hope he calls it quits 
I know a lot of people are like, oh, I hope he goes to another team and he tries to contend for a cup. I would like him to contend for a cup with the New York Rangers in a managerial role or a coaching role or something like that. He's a Ranger. I think if he was going to retire, this buyout wouldn't have happened. Don't you got to think that? You got to think, okay, if they had talked to him, because you're not going to not talk to the guy. You go to Henrik, you say, are you going to retire? He says, no, I still want to play. So they say, okay, you're not playing for us. We got to buy you out. Because if he was going to retire, then he retires a Ranger and you avoid all this buyout stuff. And there was a um, point number seven in 31 Thoughts. It said, the Rangers made Lundqvist buyout official on Wednesday, but expect them to bend over backward to treat him as royalty. One thing they've adamantly refused to do is speculate on his next steps, believing it is the future Hall of Famer's right to address it. So it sounds like they know where he, what he wants to do, and it sounds like he wants to keep playing, else he would have probably announced his, his retirement and avoided this buyout. And I'm not going to call it an embarrassment, because it's not embarrassing when you're Henrik Lundqvist. You've done enough in your career where you can't get embarrassed at this point. But you don't want to be bought out by the team you've been with your entire career. You don't want, no, you want to avoid it, this. It's too fresh, though. Like, pe- people are – like, who – is Ty Domi a Leaf legend? Like, is yes. he beloved – he's beloved in Toronto. Yes. What about Darcy Tucker? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They were both, they were both bought out of their final contracts with the Leafs. Right. Or was Domi – I think Domi was like – they traded his rights to Nashville – or something like that. Like Domi was a Nashville predator for a hot minute or something like that. They were both pitched out of town unceremoniously. Mm-hmm. And then that stings for a bit. And then a few years later, you forget about it. At seeing like I saw, I saw, Oh, I wonder if Henrik Lundqvist would consider signing with the Chicago Blackhawks. And I'm like, Oh, that would look so yucky. He's, oh, going, to, he's going to sign somewhere. Somebody needs a backup goalie for cheap. Oh, you think? And you know, <laughs> The worst uh, thing is he might still have it, you know? <laughs> it's like we're, the Rangers had to force Henrik out the door because they have, what is it, two, maybe three goalies that could start for them? So Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there's no room for Henrik there, but he could still be a starter slash 1A, 1B for a team in this league. We just we haven't I, seen it. We don't know. I tell you what, if Henrik Lundqvist comes back and plays this upcoming season, I hope he plays the next two following as well. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see this Martin Broder crap where he played like what was it five or six games with the stupid Blues. Yeah, like, you don't want I'm, Brett Favre in his last year with Minnesota. I'm only calling the Blues stupid because I mean it was they were stupid when they had uh, Broder. That looks stupid. So okay, I'm looking at this. This was something that Broder ruined, by the way, when he uh, left the New Jersey Devils. So. I'm looking now at the list of all-time playoff wins for goalies. Patrick Waugh is so far ahead of everybody else with 151. Brodeur is second with 113. <laughs> um, but Brodeur would have the most ever for a goalie who played his whole career with one team. But he screwed it up. Yep. Because he didn't play his whole career with one team. Ed Belfour is not on that list. Grant Fuhrer is not on that list. Billy Smith is. So Billy Smith holds the record with 88 playoff wins, all played with the New York Islanders. Henrik Lundqvist is at 61. But I believe in the regular season, I think he might be number one. I got to check it out. So he's sixth 
all time in NHL wins, 459. And none of the top five guys have played all their games with one team. It's Brodeur, Wah, Luongo, Belfort, Fleury. Every single one of those guys played for more than one team. Henry Lundqvist is a Ranger, man, and I'm going to be really upset. I'm going to be – it's going to look so icky. Mm-hmm. And to give you guys an idea, so this was something that Jason York got lit up for on Ice Surfing because um, basically what he said is it's not the Hockey Hall of Very Good. Uh, because, oh, no. Is he yeah. saying the Hall of – because that's a bad take. I told him I disagree with it. What number also, did you? What number did you literally just read? Sixth all time in wins. That alone. Regular season wins. That yeah. alone. That's a number that get. That's like five hundred home runs. You know that there's a number that's okay. We put you in all of it. In terms of advanced goalie metrics, now, granted, I don't know exactly how this is measured, but from evolving hockey since two thousand seven, which is basically when analytics kind of started everything before that is a little it's not really available since 2007 Henrik Lundqvist provided 57.2 wins above replacement to the Rangers close to 20 more than the next goalie which was Carey Price how 50 how much 57 57 Wins above replacement. So basically, if you had a, a replacement level goalie, like just an average, average guy, the Rangers would have won 57 fewer games. Yeah. The chart is based on zero. So an average would be – a replacement level is zero. So anything yes. above that is an extra win. So he's 57 yes. above the zero. It's crazy. Over that same span – Lundqvist saved – over that same span, Lundqvist saved 278 goals above expected during like the regular season. Numbers. What? I like how you say these numbers. The next goaltender is Yarrow Halak, surprisingly, at 96. So Henrik Lundqvist, from 2007 onward, stopped 278 more goals than just regular run-of-the-mill NHL goalie. And by the way, NHL goalies are the best goalies in the world. That's how much better Henrik Lundqvist was and is than the average NHL goalie. 270 teams allow 278 goals against in a season. The guy did everything but deliver a Stanley Cup on a platter to the New York Rangers. And he would have had the most deserving con Smythe ever probably in 2014 had the Rangers beat the Kings. They did not. That was a fun run. Same. I remember that, uh, that Stanley Cup run for both the Kings. Uh, the Kings, that was the year they were the eight seed, right? Uh, no, that was 2012. Oh, that was 2012. And, okay. <clears> that <throat> was 2012 and they played the Devils. And then 2014, they played the Rangers, and that was the one where Alec Martinez scored the overtime winner to win the cup right. against Henrik Lundqvist. And you saw the look in his face. Like, one, one thing I've made fun of Henrik Lundqvist for in the past is, um, you know, as a veteran goalie in the league, if you get yanked, you can't then go to the bench and have these 
these ridiculous puppy dog eyes. And uh, he did it. He did it so often. But I think if you just lose the Stanley Cup, oh, I, I don't know. It's about the worst I've felt for a player after they've lost. Because it was kind of cool to see the Kings win again. There was, I was pulling for the Kings to win because I was uh, going to L.A. for my honeymoon like a month later or something like that. So I just I thought that would have been cool. But then I saw the look on his face and I'm just like, oh, he may never get it now. And he didn't. Unless he does. Unless he goes somewhere and he does. Hey, crazier things have happened. What if, so in 31 Thoughts, Elliot Friedman said, the Vegas Golden Knights don't want to buy out Marc-Andre Fleury. What if there's a Marc-Andre Fleury trade, they sign Robin Leonard, and who's the backup? Imagine Henrik Lundqvist, Robin Leonard. Um, that, that team is going to keep being good. It seems like there's nothing stopping Vegas from being good. Every time there's a free agent, they're always in on it. And uh, Petro's another one where it's like, okay, if he hits free agency, he might land in Vegas. Because they have Every, all the money in the world and all they want to do is spend it. The Western Conference Final for the next two years is Colorado versus Vegas unless something happens. Yeah. Right? It should have been Colorado-Vegas this year. And they ran out of goalies. <laughs> the a team that came within two wins of winning the Stanley Cup lost two out of three games to Michael Hutchison. That's how good the Avalanche are. <laughs> it feels saying, like that's that's a team that's on a similar trajectory as Tampa was, where it's like, okay, this team's really good, but when are they just going to break through? You know. So it feels like if they keep everything stable in Colorado and get those extra pieces around them like they were doing in Tampa for all these years, that they might, they're probably going to luck out and get at least a cup in here in the next decade. Who's Tampa's third goalie? No idea. We, me neither. Yeah. Like, we never had to find out. That's what Colorado was down to. They had to go to their third goalie, and it wasn't even a good one. Mm-hmm. I, don't think I, I don't think Curtis McElhinney played a minute in the bubble, did he? I think he was just he professional, polite – Baseball cap wearer is basically what he did. If if Tampa had to contend with Colorado did, I mean, they probably don't make it past the Islanders. Yeah, different story. Do they make it past the Bruins even if they have some AHL guy? I don't know. I don't know. How long but, Those six games, right? The Bruins series? I think it was five. Five? Okay. Maybe they win that Not one. Sure. <laughs> Um, there was another point in 31 thoughts that i feel like we should touch on so elliot wrote it was one sentence you know he'd sometimes write thoughts and it's just a little blurb and he drops a little little in there i like those ones yeah this one's significant though not sure if it's even possible but i think arizona and vancouver had oel conversation now so do we think OEL is a landing spot that could work in Vancouver? Pull up their cap friendly, Steve. Let me know what you think about their roster and if you think he'd be a good fit. Okay, so I am going to look at the Vancouver Canucks, all right? No. Like, <laughs> okay, so they have $14 million, $14.3 million for this upcoming season. Wow, that's a lot of cap space, you might say. Well, Okay, up front, 
They got Zach McEwen, who's an RFA. Okay, whatever. For Tannen, who's an RFA. That's a lot more interesting. He scored over 20 goals. Tyler Toffoli, who's an uh, UFA, who they got at the deadline. Okay, Tyler Mott, decent little depth player. Josh Levo is a UFA. I would like to see him back in a certain place. And Adam Gaudet. Okay, not that big a deal. Troy Stetcher, RFA. Oh, I don't really want to lose him. Chris Tanev is a UFA. Oh, I definitely don't want to lose him. And then Oscar Fantenberg. And in net, you're going to – Thatcher Demko is your starter because he played three very good games in the bubble? Maybe. His numbers weren't great this season because <laughs> you're about to lose potentially Jakob Markstrom. So they have a lot of space, but it's not a ton when you consider what they're possibly losing. So – the Arizona Coyotes, though, they need money badly, and they need draft picks. Where I don't see Vancouver as a good dance partner is they don't have their first or second rounder this year. Um, what I do see as a potential match for the Arizona Coyotes is they basically just need to be a garbage dump for bad contracts that don't have a lot of money left on them uh, because they done goofed. So it's amazing. I never would have thought we'd be saying this the way we talked about OEL a few years ago and his giant contract, but like Louis Erickson basically has to go the other way <laughs> right? Uh, in, in order to make this deal work. So he's got two years left. Uh, his $3 million signing bonus has already been paid, so he only makes $1 million this season if you're the Arizona Coyotes. And then next year, it's inverse. He's got a $1 million signing bonus and a $3 million base. Um, I, I don't understand how this works, and I know Elliot pointed that out as well. I just don't understand. Now, I don't understand. That 31 thought, I think it was like number – nine or 12 or something that was uh followed up by an article by pierre lebrun actually i don't know which one came out first when did 31 thoughts come out probably besides the uh, point. Th- this morning this morning okay or, or last night I, I don't remember yeah Sorry, Leo 30th. didn't sleep last night i don't i don't know so anything. on the 30th so today elliot writes that little note about oel but Two days before that, on the 28th, Pierre Lebrun interviewed Bill Armstrong. And he asked him, obviously, um, in their conversation about Oliver ekman Larson. And I'll read a little excerpt from, the, excerpt from that. It says, uh, for one, OEL has a full no trade, no move. All roads lead through him and his agent, Kevin App of Titan Sports Management. Would OEL waive, depending on the team? And is there an offer great enough for Armstrong to make that big of a blockbuster this early in his GM career? One thing's for sure, there's certainly OEL chatter out there. Well, I think, and this is what Bill Armstrong says, well, I think other people have really pushed it out there, said Armstrong, but he's our captain. He plays 23 minutes a night. I've heard his name splashed around everywhere, but I can tell you I haven't splashed his name around. I can tell you that. He's a good player for this organization. I'm a big fan of his, just watching him and how he's got better and better. So it's a situation where I have to explore why his name is out there as much as it is. But at the end of the day, he's got a no trade clause. 
If you got a no trade clause, it's not the club that's splashing it around, you know? So that happening two days before Elliot reporting that Vancouver and Arizona have been talking leads me to believe that Oliver Ekman Larson is the one who wants out of the door. Do you, would you agree with that, Steve? It sure sounds like it. Dude, they, the Arizona Coyotes are in a, a genuinely terrible situation where they're sort of like the Sens, where I'm like, dude, how do you ice a hockey club this year? Clayton Keller, I believe, was mentioned in 31 Thoughts as potentially heading out the door. Wasn't that like supposed to be the guy you were going to basically build the team around up front? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Deal. What are you doing? So there's your, your captain is supposedly getting traded. Uh, that's on the older side. That's on the past. But your future is reportedly potentially heading out the door. Why? Because you have to pay that guy money. And LOL, who has time for that? You don't have any picks in the first three rounds this year, and you don't have a first or a third last, uh, next year. What is your intention exactly? So – on the OEL stuff from Jason Greger at TSN, he tweets, if OEL is available, then the Oilers should be interested. So there's another key. Agreed. Yeah. The concern of possible final two years of his deal being an issue are overshadowed by the fact he is a legit number one D-man now and will be for at least five years. Now, not everyone will agree with you there. Don't sell the farm, but the Yotes aren't in a position of strength, he said. Darren Dreger responds, what's the farm? Arizona <laughs> will want a first and likely one of the Oilers' young developing blue liners. Edmonton would also likely need the Coyotes to take another contract back to offset the OEL cap hit. As we reported yesterday, there have been discussions. Unclear if there's a fit. So, like I said, the, probably the number one thing besides money um, that the Coyotes need is draft capital. The Canucks don't really have it. The Oilers... Ah, there's another not great fit. So they do have their first. So that's good. But they don't have their second or their third. Who on the Oilers is getting pitched out the door? Oh, You're probably and, sorry, taking it from the forward group, right? Well, Arizona supposedly is going to want a blue liner, like Dreger said. Right. So Elliot then had this to say. One situation Edmonton is monitoring, because a lot of Oilers fans were like, why the hell are we taking on OEL? We can't afford this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elliot said, one situation Edmonton is moder- monitoring. Oscar Clefbaum is weighing options to deal with injuries from last season. One of the possibilities is surgery that could keep him out long term. Obviously, we don't know when next season will begin. His absence will need to be addressed. So OEL, or not OEL, sorry, Clefbaum would go on IR, but you're still taking on like four mil or something? Because what does OEL make? Eight and a half? Eight two five, I believe. Eight two five. Clefbaum is uh, just under 4.2. So you're looking at taking on just over 4.1 in that deal. They have $11 million in cap space. Uh, it looks like Andreas Thanasiu, who they paid – two second rounders and Sam Gagne for They're not even going to qualify. Riley Shan's a UFA. Does he walk? Tyler Ennis is a UFA. Does he walk? Matthew Benning, supposedly they might not qualify. I was reading. And then Ethan Barry, you just can't afford to lose. Boy. I enjoy uh, gambling on football. You know, I like, I like playing, I like placing bets 
on, on football games. And it's not really about, uh, about picking, picking right. You know, it's about just playing the odds. What's more likely to happen. And then you kind of place your money where it is. And then hopefully you end up more right than you are wrong in the end. You know, so if I was to place a bet on is OEL going to be an Arizona Coyote when the 2020 slash 2021 season starts, I would place a bet on no. There's just oh, seems, there's way too many hurdles here for this organization to keep a contract that big on the books. And it just, and it seems like a guy who was up, had his bonuses up in the air, what, less than a month ago. And then now we hear all this chatter. Like two weeks ago. Like two, yeah, it wasn't even, that was like three podcasts ago. You know, it's just, it doesn't seem like this is going to work out here. And this franchise itself, it, how, how does it, sur- well, I shouldn't say how does it survive in Arizona because they've survived almost, they survived bankruptcy. A couple. Cockroach. How, how is this franchise surviving in Arizona moving forward when they can't afford to pay anybody? They can't fill the team, and they have no draft picks for the future for the team. And then Elliot was also saying, so the, it, what happens this upcoming season is extremely complicated because there's the issue of will it be an 82-game season and will players be compensated their full salary because if you know your salary is based on an 82-game season, what if it's only 70? What if it's right. 48? And do we have game revenue? Like Are there fans? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Yeah. The other thing that he mentioned in there, so uh, all players, basically all the dates are messed up because the season should be starting like tomorrow, mm-hmm. and it's not. Supposedly, the first check, the first salary check, is due on Halloween. So there's a little bit of urgency here because if you want to save money, and you're going to do one of these dumping sort of deals and you're the coyotes it doesn't even necessarily have to be oliver ekman larson you're going to want to make it before you got to pay that check are they going to negotiate that the checks don't get started until they start playing because Uh, the players fight tooth and nail against that all right we just we just agreed to this bubble bunch of jerks if free agent free agency starts next friday right so Free agency technically lasts well forever because until the playoffs. But when does it? When does the movement of the shifting of the rosters start, and then your regular payments of the guys start? Like how? Because that's usually July. Because you said it usually starts the thirty first. So it'd usually be uh, July first to October thirty first, from when you get to set a roster to when you have to pay a guy a uh, a paycheck. So should it not be? Uh, if it's August, October 9th to what would that, that'd be like January. Should you not get that runway as well? You could argue that. Yeah. But then it's like, <laughs> Hey man, you mind if I, you mind if I pay you that? What, what was it? $2 million, like two months late. <laughs> you know, like yeah. these guys are playing such a higher stakes game than we are. Yeah. And then some people might go, well, Yeah. I don't think they have mortgage payments. I bet they do. Like it's Adams said this in the past, like they don't, you know, they're not driving around. Not everyone is Ben Scrivens (laughs) driving a, driving a 15 year old car out of the lease practice facility. 
these guys, you know, are making six, seven, eight million dollars and they spend accordingly. They're living at their budgets, you know? They're living at their budgets. And, <laughs> you know, I'm not telling you to feel sorry for them. I'm just telling you that if if you look at the amount of money they make and go, well, why can't they go two months with it? That's why. That's why. You ever you ever see a you know a clip uh remember the Vegas Golden Knights did that promo in a parking lot? You see Jonathan Marcheseau drive to the arena in a beater? That was like a Bentley or a Lambo or something. It was something a it like was that. a Lambo. It was a Lambo company in Vegas that let him drive it for free the entire playoffs. He got to drive a Lambo for free. This is the life. You, you got to stop thinking about it like us. Right? So you yeah, you want to pay me 2 months late. You were on drugs. No. You can try. You can try. And oh, they'll try. They'll try. And this is the, the, the thing that just made my stomach turn in what Elliot said. So we just breathed the sigh of relief that uh, the CBA got extended long term because there was finally peace between the players and the owners. And you know what will disrupt, disrupt that real fast is if the players make all these concessions to make the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs happen. And then the owners turn around and go, by the way, we're only going to pay you 50 to 75% of your salary because we're only going to play 50 to 75% of the season. Right. Joke's on you. We're not conceding on anything. And once again, the players – like. This again, if you're a player, if you're in the PA, why should you ever do the owners a favor? Because here it is again you make a concession and they go thanks and they don't repay you. And I know it's special circumstances, but how are you ever going to give them anything ever again, knowing that they will not make good on it? How and, and yeah, circumstances, do you care? Do you care? I signed this deal, it's a guaranteed damn deal. Pay it. Pay the money on the paper. It's going to be a wild. I, I'm just, I'm waiting for, like Justin Bourne tweeted, it's just going to be bomb after bomb. Like Henry Lundquist getting bought out, to me, that's not a bomb. Not yet. Well, like that, it was expected on most fronts, you know? We knew something like that might happen, yeah. even without a pandemic. We did. Yeah. We knew something like that might happen. All the stuff like Jim Rutherford's doing. Like I'm waiting on the coyotes bubble to burst. There's it's I, Jack. I dude. How haven't we even brought up Jack Eichel's name? Well, we're getting there. Do you want, let's, let's go there. Let's now. do it. Bob McKenzie just, go, like just waking <laughs> so, up and deciding to drop that bomb. Right. So give me a second here. I've got to, I've got to pull it up, but yes, I think that's important to touch on. So it's one of those things that we try to be shrinks and we go, Jack Eichel, he must want out. He must want this. He must want that. And Bob McKenzie kind of gave it some legitimacy. Yeah. So this is a tweet thread from supposedly retired Bob McKenzie, who is clearly very active. He says, imagine my surprise when I started making calls today and heard Jack Eichel trade rumors including unverified chatter he may have at some point recently requested a trade out of Buffalo and that New York were amongst interested teams. This, of course, required further investigating. Second tweet. I hear, I hear that trade talk a lot, Eichel's agent Peter Fish said. Jack wants to win. He's frustrated not winning, but no, he doesn't want out. 
Jack is preparing to head to Buffalo at some point here and prepare for the season, whenever that may be. That's all he controls. The messaging out of Buffalo is Sabres aren't shopping Eichel. There's no real desire to trade him. But since Kevin Adams became new GM, several clubs have called about Eichel's availability. New York believed to be one of the teams that called. So calls were made, calls were taken. None of those talks with other clubs resulted in Eichel trade traction, but it's also believed that there has been dialogue between Eichel and Buffalo to ensure they both want the same thing. Uh, to get better, obviously, and share the same timeline. This is all Bob, by the way, after uh, Peter Fisher's comments. So the face value review appears to, appears to be as follows. Eichel doesn't want out of Buffalo. Buffalo doesn't want to trade Eichel. Move along. Nothing to see here. Fair enough. But some rumors are worth checking out slash mentioning, which is uh, what I've done now. Now back to draft prep. So I'm back, by the way. Hi. My, uh, my daughter woke up in the middle of the recording. I had to get her back to sleep. It took a little while, but we're good. So <laughs> I'm really happy to hear that. I'm going to talk a little bit lower. But what I'll say is this, guys. I, I, guess it's, I won't say anything. It's a question. Can you win a trade with Jack Eichel when Jack Eichel is leaving your team? Uh, here, counter question. <laughs> if you're the Buffalo Sabres, can you win a trade? That's it. <laughs> that's it <laughs> that's funny. like do, uh, if if you're jack okay i'm looking at the buffalo sabers right now so what do you got you got me your mm-hmm. second highest play, uh, paid player is jeff skinner who scored i think it was 11 goals last year he's making nine mm-hmm. <laughs> your next highest scoring next highest paid player is kyle akpozo <gasps> then there's eric stall who you just acquired there the one two three four five the Sabres' fifth highest score, uh, fifth highest paid forward is Curtis Lazar making eight hundred thousand dollars, and the reason for that is they don't have any other signed forwards, unless yep. it's prospects. Their signed defense core is as follows: Rasmus Ristolainen, Colin Miller, Jake McCabe, Henry. Okay, how are you? And Lawrence Pilou, who or no, sorry, he's a free agent. Rasmus Dahlin, I missed. Mm-hmm. And you got Carter Hutton signed, and no, no goalie. So Jack Eichel wants to win. It's the most important thing to him. He has his money. He has his money. Jack Eichel's most important thing to him is he wants to win. How does that conversation go if you're Kevin Adams? It better be a long one. It's not short. How do you explain to Jack Eichel you're about to win with that team? Or you're I mean, even you going to contend team. for a playoff you don't spot? Have you, don't ha- you don't have a team. You don't have one. Help is not on the way like so many teams. Like, you know, we keep talking about the Rangers, and I look at all these gaps in their roster and how they're going to fill them, and I'm like, yeah, but at least they have prospects. So yep. Buffalo got – well, they got – Darlene is going to get better every year, and that's a special yep. talent. What else you got? That's the question, right? It's sort of like – and you wonder, you know, I know that they've had a lot of general manager changes. I know that. But some people – until Kevin Adams anyway came in and cleaned house had been there the whole time and it makes you wonder like what was going on like what did you swing on swing and miss on that many picks what happened to these where is everybody like really where is everybody where did they all go well, you, they left the you party talk about, you talk about guys you know not breaking up the core when the core is good like why is Zemgis Gergensen still there mm. get out of here That's a good question 
get out like there's <laughs> there's oh it's just a massive I mean, why, organization for for that for that matter why is rasmus Ristolainen in there when they've tried to trade him 18 times get out of like, here pull, pull the trigger another one just do it <laughs> it's like the galchenyuk thing that, that we yeah. talked about stop talking about trading him and trade him he asked right. for one he, you know what's going to be a, a very interesting storyline when they do announce that the NHL season is coming back is how many guys who were loaned overseas and then they go, hey, come back. And they could just go, no. <laughs> like, I wonder, because P- uh, Palou or Palut, I don't, I don't know how it's pronounced, um, on the back end for the Sabres, I wonder if he's just going to be like, no, I like it here. Maybe. <laughs> like, I wonder how many Sabres who have been loaned are going to be like, uh, you know, just when Kevin Adams calls, it's a disconnected phone number. Adam, you said something interesting about uh, – I doubt that. There. <laughs> you, you asked where are the guys. So I pulled up quickly um, their draft history. And since the 2015 oh, draft – <laughs> So this since not going to be good. Jack Eichel was the, 20, the 2015 draft. So since then, the 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, after the first round, they have a, a total of 29 games played on their team for guys drafted outside of the first round. And that was Rasmus Asplund, who played 29 games. Other than that, with them. No, he played uh, 29 games with the Sabres. This oh, he did? Last okay. season. Yeah, yeah. Three points, 29 games. After that, there's not a single player drafted after the first round who made a lineup for Buffalo. That's bad drafting. They're probably the worst drafting draft team in every the guy named Rasmus? Is that what their thing is? <laughs> Adam, if how they many, did that... How many Rasmai do they have? Their, their draft history might be better if they did that. Yes! <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> Okay, so there you go. Okay, let's type in 2020 NHL mock <laughs> draft, and let's find guys named Rasmus. And they're going to Buffalo. And that's who they're going to get. Yeah. So, okay, I found I'm, – I'm literally going to look for the first guy named Rasmus. I'll find him. I'll find him. You guys talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to find the first guy named Rasmus, and I guarantee I'm putting it on the show right now that Buffalo Sabres will get this player. <laughs> Top-ranked guy named Rasmus. I will find him. <laughs> this Wait. might take a while. No, it won't. Yeah. No, this is a very good bit. I don't, I don't know if this, this bit's your best, Steve. No, it's very good. <laughs> well, right. Jesse, how would you rank them? Oof, I would definitely rank this two Rasmus below par. Would wow. you just you know? rank it best? Probably not beast. So basically, it's it's. Uh, here's the thing, though. Is this is this really? Because I think it was Darren Dreger that tweeted something along the lines of he'll he wants to stay in Buffalo, but if Buffalo's bad by the trade deadline, he wants to get traded. Well, how are they not going to be? So you want to get traded? Is that's not like the first qualifier isn't a thing? Like unless you're unless you throw a gazillion dollars at Alex Petrangelo, and even then, like and then like you just don't have a second line. You don't have a third line. Like, I, I don't know what they do. I don't, I really don't. And they've got $33 million in cap space. Je- I, uh, yes. I just read a mock draft and I don't know what Buffalo is going to do. Because there in the no mock Rasmuses? draft, there, there was not a single Rasmus. 
Wow. What do you do? If you're the Buffalo Sabres, what do you do? You, you're, I think you, you hand your number one thing to Number one thing to fall back on, you can't even rely on it because there's no Rasmai to be seen. <laughs> I don't know what you do. But did you see part of the reasoning uh, given in an interview? Or no, it wasn't in an interview. I, I can't remember where I saw it. But basically part of the reasoning for the Sabres not wanting to trade Jack Eichel is, well, we've already paid him his $7.5 million signing bonus this season. It's Jack Eichel! Are you running a hockey team or not? Are you joking? It's, it should be we're not considering trading Jack Eichel or we don't see the point in trading Jack Eichel because he's Jack Eichel! He's your best player by leaps and bounds. Guy got heart votes and would have got a lot more if your team didn't suck around him. It's because of the money? What, next year when he doesn't have a signing bonus to be paid, it's just a $10 million base, then you trade him? Oh, boy. The Buffalo Sabres got to decide what the hell they're doing. Like, the Arizona Coyotes are, like, at very least, they have the excuse of being broke. Mm -hmm. And they did something illegal and were punished for it. Right? So now we're going down the rungs. Broke, did something illegal and were punished. What have the Sabres done other than just be stupid? Wouldn't you rather have gotten caught, you know, t- you know testing prospects? Trying? Trying! Yeah. trying! If you're not cheating, you're not trying and all that. What are the Buffalo Sabres doing other than being the dumbest team? Yeah, the what's their excuse? Team? Well, that's Rich coming from a Leaf. I don't work for the damn team. And also, at, le- at least they are at least masquerading as a competitive team. The Buffalo Sabres are just nakedly shit and have been for the better part of a decade. Yep. This rant would be endorsed by Dwayne, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) He he was tweeting, he's like, oh, Lord help me if you trade Jack Eichel. He's going to call into every radio station under an alias. (laughs) Do Do you have a franchise if you don't have him? Like, does Jack, it even I, exist? Depends like, on what if you the get Buff- back. Do they get back a star plus picks or something? You no. Know? They can't. Know. What's the haul the for is, Eichel? I don't know. Well, okay, so New York Rangers were mentioned in that. And if you're Kevin Adams, you go, you can have him for Alexi Lafreniere. <sighs> plus. Because I have Jack Eichel and you don't. You want right. Jack Eichel. Well, there's one of them. Well. So you pay my price or you don't get him. Alexi Lafreniere was looking forward to going to New York. I mean, he would still be in New York State, just be a very different city. Um, you got to watch, you watch your language there, Alexi. You got to That's right. <laughs> be very specific. Would, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jack Eichel in a New York Rangers jersey would be pretty cool. That would be a pretty scary team. If they get Jack Eichel, you know, all those little holes that they got to fill – who cares? You got a guy who was nominated for the heart, then Jack Eichel. A pretty young team. Adam Fox got some uh, Calder votes in there. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Like it, uh, the, Rangers, very least, the Rangers do have some cap space, but they, they have a lot of their captive um, 
um, uh, they're paying out a bunch of guys for buyouts still. Right. But then it goes away. But then, like, it, goes then away. it goes away. You're the Rangers. Like if, if you're the Rangers, the conversation with Jack is a lot easier. So what's your plan to win? Well, next two years are going to be kind of hard. Not going to lie. After that, we should be a wagon. <laughs> if you're the Buffalo Sabres, you're making it up. You're pitching him a fantasy scenario. Like a bunch of guys you don't have on a roster. Your Kevin Adams pitch to Jack Eichel would not be much different than mine where I'm just making a team up. For, it's, it, trust me, it'll look like this. What do, you, what do you have to pitch him other than a fantasy? If you're the Rangers, you go concrete, bang, bang, boom. Here's what we have. Here's what we will have. Here's what's here. Here's what's coming. Here's what's leaving. If you're the Sabres, you're like, well, we have nothing. Nothing's coming. Nothing's leaving. Other than our good players. They're trash. <laughs> Man, crazy. Depressing. Trash. Depressing. You know, it is depressing. It's not good. It sucks. I don't like no, this. And I praised, I praised Kevin Adams for, hey, okay, Eric Stahl to help motivate Jeff Skinner. All right. And I guess Jack Eichel looked at that and went, holy shit, that's our card. All right, bye. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, let's get into uh, quickly on Alex Petrangelo. You know, we've kind of been back and forth on does this make sense, right? So there's part of me, and I'm sure part of any Leaf fan that goes, God, it'd be great to have him. Then there's the part that goes, uh, how, you, how can you afford him? Then there's the part that goes, he's so good, who cares? But then there's a, the, you know, you, go, you swing back the other way, and Anthony Petrelli, who, by the way, broke the John Tavares news, guy's a hell of a reporter, uh, writes for Maple Leaf Hot Stove. He wrote a piece, and I'm not going to wreck it for you, but I think you should read it, on why he doesn't think the Leafs should sign Petrangelo. And I'll give you a couple quick points on it, but the first thing is, yes, he's great. But this is an offensively-minded defenseman who – is it necessarily stellar in his own end? Does that sound to you like something the Leafs need? And his penalty killing microstats supposedly aren't very good. Right. Like, and so when you read this article and he goes into it in depth about it, um, basically what it says is that you sign, uh, um, you sign um, uh, Petrangelo, Morgan Riley, who had 70 points two years ago is now again, stepping out of the way and not playing the top power play. When you can get guys like Hamannick, Tanev, Brody, whatever else that you want on the free agent market, and you can, you can debate me on whether or not those guys are going to be worth it for their cost. If you're going to buy a free agent, you're probably going to overpay. But the reason you overpay on free agency is so you don't have to give up draft picks and uh, prospect potential, right? That's the pay yeah. you make. If you, you want to make a trade, yeah, and, if, yeah and, and bidding wars. But if you want to make a trade, you're going to lose prospects and you're going to lose picks. Uh, yeah, right? Uh, if you want to make free agency, you're probably going to overpay a little bit. But with the glut of defensemen on the market, plus potentially a lot of teams cutting salary, this could be the least year to make that trade and that free agent signing or two free agent signings or whatever with the money that Petrangelo could get. That, and Steve, I think you mentioned it last episode, gives Morgan Riley the right-handed shot guy he needs to just, just, just be like chill. Like Morgan can do Morgan and the, the other guy can actually defend and maybe make a transitional pass. You know what I mean? He, like that's what he's Batman. For. Morgan Riley's Batman. You need Robin. Alex, Alex Petrangelo ain't Robin. And, no. you know, everything that we just talked about with him, you know, because he has defensive warts. We just – I guess they're not quite as pronounced as they are with some other players. But I'm listening to the conversation that we're having about Alex Petrangelo. 
And it's just a slightly modified version of what we were saying with Matt Dumba. Would you like him? Of course. Does he provide what you need? Eh, A bit, but not really. The Leafs, of of course, they're a better team with Alex Petrangelo. Of course. And of course, they're a better team with Matt Dumba. Of course. I just, in terms of fit, it's just one of those things where you go out and you get the top guy available because you can, not because it's the best decision. You know what I mean? I'd, it's, not, it's not there. We were talking earlier in the show. I can't remember if you were there for this, Adam. But just get one more guy on the back end, probably at literally a third of what Alex Petrangelo is going to make this upcoming season. Who's a problem? Yeah, so two to three million. Yeah, get a guy who's a problem. Well, good as, good as you mentioned, I was there for that. And that's, that's, like a six, that's more six, of what you option. need than this number one stud all-star guy. Is it not? Yeah. Is it Morgan Riley, I think it's because he's within the Leafs bubble. Did we not learn this past season when Morgan Riley was out how valuable he is to this team? Oh, extremely. 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 And he's had all this time to recover. He looks great. He mm-hmm. so badly needs a Robin. Cody Cece is not Robin. No. That guy's not even Scarecrow. Like, he's, he's way down the depths of Batman villains even, let alone sidekicks. You need a Robin from Morgan Riley and a problem. Who, his Robin can either be a problem or someone who you add on the second or third pair is a problem. I don't think it's as difficult or expensive as we're making it out to be. And we, we have this jammed up conversation every time we talk about Petrangelo joining the Leafs. And I think the reason for that is it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So let's get off of this and try to figure out something else. I think I'd yeah. rather overpay for someone else. Well, and I, I wonder, you know, like if, if you've got, here's the thing, like if you sign a couple of guys at four and a half million bucks, you take your chances. They're less good. They're less effective. However, they balance out the roster a little bit better. Um, and I'm just saying a couple guys. Like, let's say it's Tanev and Brody, just for instance, okay? This isn't, this isn't something that we necessarily know they're going to do. Sure. You get two of those guys. You now have trade potential as well, right? What does, what does Travis Dermott get you? You know, what, what is that worth? What's that potential worth? Um, and, 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 and the thing is, is that we discussed this last episode, and I know people th- there were definitely people who disagreed with us, and that's totally cool. But you've got two young guys in Lilligren and Sandine ready to go. They should be ready to go. They should be well, ready to take over. Sandine and, better be ready to go because you just torched the first year of his deal. And I think he is. I think he very much is. But you look at that and you think, okay, so these guys are ready. Um, you could get, you can get it like a Radko Gudis, so you don't have to draw Martin Marincin in every time someone gets injured. But then it's like, you know, those are the things that you, um, you know, you could platoon Gudis in, you could, you know, whatever else you want to do. I believe that their money is best spent in smaller waves. They've spent the big money. They've spent the big money. Let's see you round out this roster properly. And actually for the first time have three defensive pairings where you go, that's not bad. Adam, we live near Lake Ontario, which is disgusting. You ever go swimming in it? Yep. yep. You, ever, you ever see the little buoys they have out there to let you know? Tell you not to go beyond those buoys. Martin Marincin is that buoy. 
if he's in your lineup, you've gone too deep. You've gone wow. too deep. If, if we've learned something from this past season and like the four or five that came before it, the Martin Marincin waters are too deep. They're too deep. The Dallas Stars were rolling out guys I've never heard of in my entire yep. life in the Stanley Cup final and thriving. You think Martin Marincin's going to put on that performance with the Dallas Stars? Enough with this guy. And he's got a deal. Like, are you, are you serious? He must be the best human being. The best. Just a he good guy. Jacked, just jack biceps from just all the reps in the soup kitchen. Like, just – and listen, great. <laughs> you need good people. Mm-hmm. You need good people. Go out and sign Tom Hanks if that's what it's all about, for crying out loud. Does he shoot left or right? Like, Jesus, get good players, man. Get good players. If Martin Marincin's in your lineup, you better be a good swimmer. <laughs> it's or you deep. better have a really good top four. He, he just can't be in your lineup. He can't. No, he can't. He can't. Bad Kyle. No. No. Bad Kyle. I think Adam's point about the top four is important. You can you can mass it is. You can mass Marincin if your top four yeah, is I mean, all-star. Quality. How about this? Mass Lilligren and Sandine. I- there you go. Mask them? Oh, yeah, with them. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. you can mask. I mean, the, the Blackhawks won a cup masking Kimo Timonen, right? Luke Shen was on the Lightning. Yeah. You know? Luke Shen yeah. is a yeah. Stanley Cup winning defenseman on a team he played consistently with. You know? He was still like their eighth or ninth guy, but those are oh. deep waters. So Martin Marinson can be a, a sixth eighth guy. Eighth or ninth guy. Yeah. He's perfect. No, uh, ninth. What the hell am I sheltering a 28-year-old for? Get out of here. <laughs> sick of this jesus <laughs> yeah you know what it's kind of true like you can't find one person in europe who's a little bit better not one right anywhere you can find one in europe you can find one you can and i mean maybe, maybe they have with this Lettonian guy like who knows what he's going to be but the thing is is that like you can't even callie rosen why is mark marincha getting it and callie rosen isn't like just even anything. like that that warsofsky guy who they got in the penguins deal for captain i'm like can he please Anything. Can he be the buoy? Enough. Enough. Oh, my God, this guy. He has to be the best we doing person a, on planet Earth. Are we doing a oh. press conference today? Not no. today. Okay. No, no. Can I, uh, <laughs> Steve, you mentioned some uh, – who are you comparing to Robin and Batman villains? Cody well, Cece. Got, I said he, he wasn't even Scarecrow. Well, you mentioned that, and I wanted to throw out there the – one of the worst Batman villains of all time. So please do. Batman once had a foe named Ten-Eyed Man. Ten-Eyed <laughs> Man had ten eyes, but the two on his face didn't work. Instead, he had little eyeballs on the end of his fingertips, which allowed him to see both in front of and behind him simultaneously. Shot, like this is, thing from Pan's Labyrinth? This is an article from Gizmodo, by the way. They put a nice read-up on some of the worst Batman villains of all time. So they wrote, shockingly, having eyeballs on your fingers proves to be more of a liability than, a powers, than powers. He once held a... He once was thrown a, sh- a shrub, and when he caught it, his, his eyes inadvertently stopped working because they were wounded. Ten-eyed man. Wow. 
it's good to know that even the smart people run out of ideas sometimes. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> thought that was fun. Well, thank you, Jesse. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Steve's done. I think he's done. He's done. Dude, it's okay. I got this idea for a villain, see? He's called Ten-Eye Man. All right. If I guess and I'm right, I'm firing you on the spot, okay? Does he have ten eyes? Well, yeah, get the f- get out of my office. Get out right now. <laughs> Jesus. It's like if Scarecrow was made of straw. Like, also, Jesus. You would, you would think that um, the ten-eyed man would know not to catch stuff, you know, after having ten eyes his whole life. They like, beat him by you throwing a shrub at him. And then his eyes were injured. Like, I, you, he would know at that point. I'm not supposed to catch this, right? Who just has a shrub? Who just has a shrub? Picked up, Batman picked up a branch and tossed it to Ten-Eyed Man and he died. Well, Ten-Eyed Man should have just, like, moved his shoulder and, like... He just not caught I mean? it with like, his eyes. <laughs> like, I know not to catch things with my eyes. I've had the two of them long enough, you know? I just feel like he would know that. It seems like there's a bit of a plot hole there. Cody Cece's way better than Ten Eyed Man. <laughs> way better. We did uh, mention that Cody Cece and Ty- Tyson Berry are going to free agency. That's confirmed today, right? Uh, we did not, but no. Well, so, we knew. No. Oh, breaking news! Marcus All reportedly on the verge of leaving the NBA. He's going to f- yeah. He's going to FC Barcelona uh, or uh, FB Barcelona or whatever it is. Going back home. Going back home. He's won his championship. He's good. I'm sorry. Gentlemen, listen, it's been a good show. I'm sorry I missed half of it, but I love you guys. And we will be back on Sunday. As we get closer to free agency, hopefully we're going to see some more rumors pick up. And obviously, you know, with, with the way the schedule is looking, and let me just kind of grid this out here. So next Friday is going to be free agent frenzy. We've got Sunday the 4th where we'll do a show, Wednesday the 7th where we'll do a show, and then Sunday – the 11th is going to be bonkers. Well, bonkers. even even the Wednesday show, we're going to be recording. I think the final half hour of the draft may still be happening when we start. I'm excited. It's going, going to be really good. So the next week should be nice and delicious. Probably the next two weeks. We're looking forward to it. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you on Sunday. on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle at Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.